0: I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah fifty-four. Isaiah fifty-four. I remember back in my day, I was in junior high school. I loved wrestling, and I can remember one particular match. I, I, I was the type of wrestler. I actually found my sense of value and security. In performance and maybe some of you even do today without even realizing it I did as a squirrely eighth grader and I can remember as I was about to run out onto the mat and the chanting and the little nickname that they gave me and I was so psyched up and I looked across the mat and there was this guy he was about my height, but he, he, he didn't look strong at all. and I just thought I'm going to pin this guy in the first round. and when the referee blew the whistle, we were in a tangle and he was a lot more skilled than I realized. I ran into the second period up by two. He, I was in the down position. He was in the top position in what they call referee's position. When, the, when he blew the whistle, that guy slipped his left leg around mine and then he dangled his entire body over his head and arm over my side and that was like an invitation grab my head roll me over and pin me and I said thank you very much and I reached around I grabbed his head and I rolled him over unfortunately because his leg was around mine we kept rolling and I found myself on my back and I'm thinking what on earth is this move I, I I had seconds to think. I tried bridging with my head, couldn't do it. I tried turning this way or that. I was trapped in a vice grip, and I could not move. And with and I was looking up. There was an expression that wrestlers would use. Make them count the lights. That means pin them. Make them count the lights. And there I was, this squirrely eighth grader, finding all of my security in this sport, hoping to win... And then I heard the slap of the mat. Mike Curtis had just gotten pinned. I was crushed. I want you to to think, because there I was on my back, trapped, counting the lights. You know, here's the, the truth, the reality. For some of us, that's how you feel today. You feel trapped you feel like you are on your back. You are, on, you are waiting to hear the referee slap his hand on the mat and you're pinned. You're out. Right now, today, you feel like you're counting the lights. I want to ask you, do you feel trapped? Life's circumstances and you're unable to move. Do you feel that maybe your faith in God has perhaps even been misplaced do you feel today like you're counting the lights isaiah 54 is filled with god's promises but there are times in our lives in which we we can know the truth but it's hard for us to believe that truth we know it's true but the emotion of the moment is saying it can't be true Isaiah 54. We've been going through all of these promises. There's so many of them. I'm going to read to you verses 15. That's, we, we concluded with that last week. I'm going to start there, and we're just going to read the rest of the chapter, 15, 16, and 17. Isaiah 54, 15 through 17. Listen now, if anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame, who forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to work havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. That is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me declares the Lord. Now last week, we looked at how God both spiritually and physically protect us. And if for any reason, God chooses to allow the enemy an inch into our life to bring any element of harm, we know this, that he has done it only so that he can bring greater destruction into the kingdom of darkness. This is the nature of God. He protects us, but should he ever allow the enemy a foot in our door, it is only to set him up. Do you remember what it says here? Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. The Hebrew word there, and it's translated this way in the King James, is that they will fall before you. They will fall. The enemy, Satan, according to Ephesians 6, attacks us. And Paul says to the Ephesians, he says, your struggle, your warfare, your battle is not against flesh and blood. Husbands, wives, the enemy is not the other person. The enemy is not your husband. Listen, it's not your wife. It's not your child or the next door neighbor or your boss. The real enemy is Satan himself. He is attacking, you know, maybe he's using others but the real truth is behind all of that satan is attacking you he's trying to take you down this is spiritual warfare far more than just physical and so he tells us spiritually he will always protect us ephesians 6 our battle is not against flesh and blood but it's against the rulers and against the authorities against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms against the powers of this dark world this is where our real battle lies When we're attacked, God promises that he will allow the devil to fall into his own trap. He will only set the enemy up. As you're feeling like maybe today you're counting the lights, the truth is that the enemy is the one who will fall, not you. God is your security. God is your foundation. Christ will never leave you. Christ will always be with you and strengthen you. All right, we are kept by the power of God through faith. We need to talk about faith this morning. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, <laughs> starting with verse 3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, those weapons we fight with, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. This is a spiritual battle. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to to make it obedient to Christ. Now, we realize that this battle then is for your mind as you are wrestling with truth. What is truth? But then it is also a battle for your heart and for your devotion. This is where the enemy's going, see? He wants to battle you with lies. God has abandoned you, regardless of what Isaiah 54 has said. He has abandoned you. He's kicked you to the curb. He has rejected you. Do you feel lonely? Maybe it's because you are alone. See, that's his lie. And he sows these lies. And these lies then begin to settle in our hearts and steal our hearts away. This is why in the very, look at this, the very next chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 11, this is what he says, verse two, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion To Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. You see, what was happening to the Corinthians is that they were believing these lies that the super apostles that he talks about in the next verse had been preaching to them, not the truths that Paul had been preaching to them, and they were divided. Some were siding with Paul. Some were siding with this, these super false apostles, but he explains to them, see, the angel, Satan is an angel of light, and he comes only to deceive you, to plant truths and half-truths into your minds. How about this one? The devil whispers to you, you are unworthy. Well, is that a truth? Yes, it is a truth. I am unworthy. But you see, it's a half-truth. Because the other side, the flip side to that truth of Mike Curtis being unworthy is that Jesus is worthy, and he is the one who took my place. He is the worthy one who suffered for my sins. Now, if this is true... When I am called to be in Christ and by faith we all are in Christ then I find myself worthy in Christ. He has given to me his righteousness. This is the truth. So but the enemy wants to whisper half truths. They want to whisper something that's a, a little on but it's a little off. He did this with Jesus and in the wilderness, do you remember? He actually quoted scripture to Jesus. He said, God will put angels into your life and keep you safe lest you dash your foot against a stone. But he forgot to add, to keep you in all your ways. And so he quoted only a part of the truth. And see, without quoting the rest, hey, you know, you can test God. You can do whatever you want. and Let's see if God comes to your rescue. See, that's the full truth is to keep you in all of your ways. As you are pursuing Christ, he will will allow no harm to befall you except what is perfectly within his plan and will amazingly turn out for good. See, this is the full truth. But the enemy excels in lies. In John 8, he's called the father of lies. The devil is a liar. Any any half-truths or lies that he whispers to us, those are the accusations that come against us. You will refute every tongue, it says, that accuses you. Our problem, though, is that we can feel trapped in those lies, in those half-truths. It stirs up emotion. Like guilt, fear, or worry, anger, or a desire for revenge, jealousy, hatred, bitterness, pride, despair. I've not just been physically counting the lights. spiritually, I have. And an event happens and I'm wondering, God, what's going on here? I really thought you were going to come through. Where are you in this mess? And it stirs up an emotion. It can even stir up despair. That's happened to me. And what happens is when the enemy stirs that emotion up, you start believing in and acting on the lies, the half-truths. And that emotion starts galvanizing those lies and half-truths. And that's what you start believing in. And that's what you start living out. And that's when the enemy comes against you. And that's when he tries to take you down. Some of you, that's where you're at today. When we go through hard times and heartache, the devil wants to come in and speak those lies and those half-truths, and in the emotion of the moment, we start believing them. What is the answer to this? Our weapon is truth. In Ephesians 6, the spiritual battle, we have the belt of truth. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we have prayer crying out to God that we would stand firm in the truth and also understanding. Remember what Jesus said when disciples came back and they said, we were amazed. We found that all demons, that we had authority over these demons in your name. And he said, yes. You have authority over all the power of the enemy. And so our weapon is truth and crying out to God in those moments to establish us in that truth. With truth, with the sword of the spirit, we slay the enemy, okay? Truth. You know, my wife has this amazing ability to recognize and call out the gold in people. And especially in the early part of our marriage. I just had to get used to it because if anything, I grew up in a home in which the atmosphere was more critical, analytical. And she would just, she would start talking with someone and this someone was really struggling. And I mean struggling with some really bad character. And she would just begin to call out the gold in them. And I kind of felt like, wow, she's just flattering them. She's exaggerating. You need to also tell them about this and this in their life. And she wouldn't touch that. She would just call out the gold. And I tell you what, I might have questioned the truths that she was speaking. But those were truths. The person though, when they would hear them, remember Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that they may benefit, that, the, that, that it may benefit those who listen, that it may, the Greek word there is give grace to those who listen. And my wife has this ability to speak truth and be able to Help people who are in that emotion and wrestling with the truth of who they are in Christ and call out that gold of what Christ has formed in them. And see, that was new for me. And over the years, she has had to teach me, to train me, how to recognize the gold. To be able to look at that child's picture and put it up on the refrigerator and see how amazing it is. And God is like that heavenly father who has all of your pictures on his refrigerator. It's a huge refrigerator, church. And he loves it and he's excited about it and he says, that's my son, that's my daughter. Yes, and he calls the gold out and he wants you to latch onto the truth. But because of our emotions, it's so hard. We need to speak the truth. We need to somehow use this truth to walk in that freedom, let me give you an illustration that might help you. I've, I've shared this story some years ago, but I want to share it again, and I want us to zero in on this concept now of how truth can can set us free. I remember growing up; I was probably maybe eight years old. We would vacation in my grandmother's cottage that was on uh, that, that was at Prime Hook Beach. Prime Hook Beach is nothing to be excited about. <laughs> Seaweed all over the beach. It was in a polluted Delaware Bay, just north of Cape Henlopen. At least Cape Henlopen emptied out into the Atlantic Ocean. It was a really nice place, but Prime Hook Beach, maybe not. But we had a lot of fun. You know, we we, we frog-gigged on the other side of the street in the swamp, and we, we trampled down the, the marsh reeds to make pathways and big forts and headquarters. And, you know, we had so much fun there. But I remember one particular one thing that we would do is we would regularly go out into the bay and and we wouldn't catch a lot of fish, but we would catch a lot of sharks, I guess sharks feed on pollution, but we caught a lot of sand sharks, some of them were like three feet long, and we would love doing this, and we would use squid as a bait now when we were all done, we would generally debate the hook and put it up and put our uh, our poles in in the basement well basement the the first floor and so one day, though, someone had forgotten to do that, and they left their pole leaning against the dining room table up against the window with, its, with the, the hook dangling and still baited with squid. Now, we had brought our cat with us on vacation. Now, if you're a little squeamish, close your ears. But we were suddenly, I anyway, was frightened when I heard our cat's claws scratching on the dining room table. What is going on? We looked over and there she was. She had gotten a hold of the bait. It had hooked her jaw and she was dangling with her paws on the table. I was terrified. I ran over and I tried to pick her up, but she immediately scratched me and my dad tore his shirt off, wrapped it around her and said, come on, guys, you got to hold her for me. And so one of us held her hind legs and she would get free. Come on, you got to hold them tight. And we were afraid to. And then we, someone else would hold her front paws. And then my dad said, get me the pliers. And he had a pair of pliers just like this. But if you notice here on the side, it has an ability to cut metal. And he grabbed the head of our cat and cut the barb off and removed the hook. That was the only way to be able to get our kitty cat free to cut the barb. I want to tell you this morning, there is only one way for you to be free from these lies and half-truths that have hooked you and are stirring up so much emotion to the point where you're believing now the lies and half-truths of the enemy. You feel lonely? It's because you are alone. Is that true, church? Absolutely. Are you feeling lonely? Yes. But it's not because you're alone. Because God promises you that is not the truth. and never will be. And so Jesus wants to set you free from all of those lies that have hooked you. The emotion, though, is so intense. My dad had his arms and his chest scratched from our cat. We will fight God. We will wrestle with him, scratch him, if you will, you understand? Fight him. Wrestling, and yet he is trying to do the very thing that will set us free and cut Cut us free from that barb and, and set us free into all of his promises. This is what he has called us to believe. The truth. The truth. Here's the truth. That God protects us, defends us to Satan. And when the enemy starts picking on us, he says to him, hey, punk kid, to the devil. No, only God can call him that. We are challenged not to speak or accuse the enemy, celestial being, scripture says, and not even Michael the archangel did that, the Bible says, but God can, I believe. And he says to the enemy, hey, punk kid, who are you calling a failure, rejected and alone, guilty, no good? That's my kid you're talking about. But the problem is We get caught up in the emotion and the feeling of Satan's lies and half-truths, and they can seem so real, so true, but they are not. The Bible says this is our heritage or our inheritance. This is part of this inheritance. When we are in Christ, he gives us this inheritance. Ephesians 1 speaks of some of those blessings that we have in Christ in the heavenly realms, that we have been chosen, called out to be his. In verse 11, it talks about us being his lot, his portion, those that belong to him, his special possession. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. And we have this rich inheritance. We could go on and on about these promises that we have. Scripture scripture says that we have, in, in this very chapter, we have been chosen to be as a special child to be his own that we are precious remember the precious stones precious and of incredible value not guilty free from accusations his promises that he would never be angry with us again why because our sin has been paid for the wrath of god turned away we we therefore have no reason to be to have shame we are shameless church Whether you feel that way or not, that is the truth. We're heirs of this vast inheritance. We are delighted in. We are protected by our husband or father who causes our enemy to surrender even to us. You know, as we are wanting to walk by sight and not faith, as we are wanting to latch hold of these lies. And I get that. There is a way out. I remember times in my life in which circumstances were so hard. And as I was praying, I just did not see God answering those prayers. I owned a business, still do. 19 uh, 2008, the stock the, the uh, housing market crashed for the most part. It affected the car dealership, which is what my business caters to, and my business began to spiral. And we were just making it. For three years, we were just making it. I, can I be honest with you? I was weary. I was. I was praying, God, please prosper and bless this business. My vision was, if I get enough trucks out there, I'll be able to just have guys work the business. I can pastor full time; won't need a salary, et cetera, et cetera. And God, here's my plan, okay? Would you bless it? And He was not blessing my plan. If anything, He was doing the opposite. Here was an opportunity. There was an opportunity for me to get into a large account and and with employees be able. It, the dream. It's, it could happen, God. And I was excited. I was praying, and yet at the very last moment, it fell through. This happened on a number, number of occasions. Here's an opportunity. Here we go, Lord God. And I'm about to step into it. This is God's answer to prayer. Boom. I felt like the carpet was pulled out from underneath me. And I'm thinking, God, wait, wait, you're in this, aren't you? Aren't you for me? And I can remember just coming to this point. And Meredith would encourage me with truth. And I would say, you know what? I know this is true, but I think the only way in which my soul can be encouraged right now is if God just does something. I have to see it. I have to see the answer to prayer. That's the only way that I'm going to be encouraged. That was the stubbornness of my heart. That was the ache in my soul. I refused to be comforted by truth and only by God doing what I wanted him to do. That was me as a pastor. During those three years, and I've shared this portion of the story with you before, there were eight months. And it's not that we were just making it. We were missing budget by $500 a month. Almost every single month, it was like right at $500. But for eight months, I wasn't making budget but God did something. Actually, I counted them. There were 12 things in which God did in those eight months. And and I'm going to step back and and I'm going to say, wow, the world might look at a few of those and say, what a coincidence. But when you tally all 12, no way. God was in the midst of this and he was trying to prove me, Mike, can you walk by faith and not by sight? And, and can I be honest with you? I was discouraged. Jenny Rose came to me at the end. I, we were only a few months into this eight months. I had no idea that it was going to last eight months or how long was it was going to last. I thought this was like going to last forever, right? That's how you probably feel right now. This is last. This pain, this is lasting forever. And I can remember she came to me and she asked, because God had already been coming through just like, just barely at the end of each month. How, you know, right, coincidental, huh? And she came to the end, She came to me at the end of one of those months, and she says, Daddy, so what did Jesus do to provide for us this month? And I had to look at her in the eyes, and instead of saying, sweetheart, he didn't this month, because I didn't have the boldness to tell her that, I just put it this way, well, sweetie, he hasn't yet. But I had to pay the bills that day. I'd waited to, uh, as long as I could, and I went out to the mailbox, grabbed the mail, I threw it on the desk, and I sat down, and I had one of the biggest pity parties you can imagine. And I just put my head down and in tears which just saying, God, where are you? I just had to tell my daughter that you haven't come through yet. I, how, why would you put me in that position? You are faithful, then where are you today, God? Where are you? And I just, I wrestled with God and I had so much pity for myself, hoping that he would too, right? We can feel this way. And I can remember just picking my head up and just saying, okay, I'm just going to pay the bills, whatever I can. And I just went through the mail. Next step was pay the bills and just say, okay, whatever, God. And in that mail was a letter from my parents, and they had never done this before. And I'd been married for know, 20, 30 years, whatever it was. And inside was a check for $500. And I just looked at that, and I wept. I, just, I felt foolish. God, I have been led astray in, your, in, in, in just choosing not to believe in your faithfulness. God, I wanted to walk by sight. I was tired of walking by faith. And God just had to so graciously say, Mike, I will never forsake you. I will always come through for you because this is your inheritance. And I will vindicate you before your enemy. You know what Jenny Rose Maybe God didn't come through in those early morning hours. Just give God a few more. And that's what God did. Some of you, you feel like you're trapped and you're on the back, on your back counting the lights. Truth, whether you are believing it today or not, is still true. Maybe the devil is taking you for a ride and you feel like a chew toy in a Rottweiler's mouth. But I'm going to tell you this your God is true. He is faithful to all of his promises. You might feel alone today. You might feel lonely, but you are not alone. You may want to walk by sight today instead of by faith because it is so hard to walk by faith. But I want you to know that we do serve a God. You serve a God, a Father who is filled with, remember what word he used here? He used redemption twice. He used compassion three times. That is the heart of your father, a heart of compassion for you. And he will say to your enemy, you punk kid, who do you think you are talking to my son, to my daughter like that? And the enemy will fall into his own trap by faith. We are kept by the power of God through faith. Always. God doesn't lie. I want to close in prayer right now. And I just want you to realize that if today you're feeling trapped, your God, by your faith, can step in with immeasurable grace because in your weakness, that's when he is made strong and his grace is highlighted, and he is glorified. Father, we come before you. Father, honestly, for many of us, we come before you broken, maybe even discouraged, wondering where you are in this moment in our life. And you are right there. And you've you've got those wire clippers in your hand ready to rescue us. So, Father, apply your truth. Apply your truth. We are precious, chosen, not guilty. We are shameless, not abandoned, but loved, lavished with compassion. Heirs of a vast inheritance, delighted in by our heavenly Father and protected. And I just ask you, Father, help us right now as we make this choice to walk by faith and not by sight. Because in your timing, you will come through like a raging river and you will meet every need. That is your nature, God. And I thank you for it. Speak that truth to every heart this morning that we would find encouragement in it. Break the barb. Set your people free. Still that raging emotional storm in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.